Welcome to Bravo Happy Hour. I'm your host, Megan O'Donnell. Grab yourself a drink and join me while I break down the week in Bravo TV news. Welcome to Bravo Happy Hour. I'm your host, Megan O'Donnell. And today's special bonus episode is all about the Netflix show Selling Sunset. I am here today with David Yonte from the Behind the Velvet Rope podcast to talk all things Selling Sunset season one and discuss how the show has quickly become a cult classic amongst us reality TV lovers. Welcome to the show, David. Thank you for having me again, Megan. This is like, we have to stop meeting like this. <laughs> I think it's, this is third time's a charm. This is going to be a good one. I, I feel this, it. This is the third time I've been on the Bravo Happy Hour. Thank you. Of course. So we've been talking offline a lot about how Selling Sunset has kind of taken the place of like Beverly Hills, a million dollar listing in our Bravo schedule. Granted, both of them are on right now. I could care less of the two of them. And I only want to watch Selling Sunset, even though we only have two seasons. Kind of. Now, I mean, listen, I, I don't want to take credit for everything in your life, but am I the one that, or did you watch this because I told you that you have to drop everything and watch the show? You did. And you said like, it was a quick weekend binge. And then it was like a 48 hour binge. Like it wasn't even the Friday to Sunday. It was like all day Saturday and then like two hours on Sunday. And then again this morning <laughs> for season one, which is mortifying. <laughs> oh my God. Well, I mean like honestly, and I really mean this, I have not been this excited about a show since Vanderpump Rules season one. R really. And I think it's one of those shows kind of like Vanderpump where people didn't really start jumping on the bad wagon until like season three, season four. Like that's when the mainstream TV watchers were getting really into it. But the beginning were just like the diehard Bravo fans who kind of fell into it after Beverly Hills. But I think this one, it's only two seasons in. We talk all the time how you know their ratings are atrocious and nobody has even heard of this show outside of like the weird enclave of people that we collected through our podcasts. Yeah, kind of. So like I have a friend who's like a big producer who is like so on the top of ratings. And every time I talk to him, he's like, David, you, you do realize like the ratings for this show, it's like, this is nothing. This is nothing in the world. Like it, it's not even maybe a little bit for Netflix, but I don't even think for Netflix. And I'm just like, I, I don't care in my world. Everyone I know loves this show. And I wonder what Netflix is thinking about like their reality programming, because this is kind of different than any other stuff they've really done. They've done a lot of like the dating shows, Love is Blind, stuff like that. But this is the most reality show that's kind of like glitzy and glamoury that I've really seen on Netflix. Although what about like, so I mean, I, this, I have my own theory. I, my whole theory is Tiger King killed it. I mean, let's just face it. Yeah. And then Too Hot to Handle, I think did really well. I didn't watch that one. I haven't. Oh, it was good. I mean, Canceled you, you got like a hundred. Well, I mean, listen, it's not like this, but you got like a hundred thousand dollars to start and like every sexual, it was like the hottest people in the world, women, so, men, and like every sexual act took the money down for the whole group. So like if two people kiss, a kiss was $3,000. Actual full on sex was $25,000. Did someone bang? Oh, like they lost money like all the they were, time. Like, very, very much in debt. <laughs> but then, but then, like if a, a couple like won the like fantasy suite and they didn't have sex, I think you can earn back money. I feel like at that point, like if you actually like the person, you could look at them and be like, hey, we're just not going to have sex tonight. We can have sex tomorrow night, the rest of our lives, but like let's secure this 50 grand because. Yeah. But I mean, the people were just, so I think that did really well. So I just think, I wonder, was season two of Selling Sunset like always 
coming? Was it always coming? It was filmed, but was it always coming? Or was it like, we're in quarantine and these two reality shows did great? What, what's in our back catalog? Put this out, let's see what happens. That's just my theory, but what do I know? I mean, I think it's a good point because I never heard of this during season one. And then during season two, I started hearing about it. And then I became so obsessed. I started Googling, like, when is season three coming out? And they said in early August, it's coming out. So even that is kind of genius on Netflix's part where they're probably like, these girls are crazy. We can really stretch a lot of their drama out because, you know, in addition to like them being having drama scenes, they have a lot of filler scenes where they're showing a house to a client. So each of them must have like 15 of those different kinds of tours filmed where they can kind of like pepper them in throughout the shows to kind of stretch out an episode. And their episodes got longer in the second season where there were like 45 minutes to an hour where in the beginning it was like 27 minutes, 36, which they're like, is, are people gonna watch? Like, are they gonna get to the end? Totally. And so like, I recently just had Mary and Maya on my show. So I asked both of them just point blank, you know, like, did anything happen for you after season one? Because I agree with you. Like, to me, I don't even know if I heard about this show in season one. And like, if you and I, I mean, I have my podcast, you have your podcast, like, if we didn't hear about this, and we're in the business. So I asked them, like, they weren't, they, they both agreed, like, yes, during season two, our, our, our social medias went up, but they, it wasn't such a dramatic thing that I expected from either of them, because I really wanted to, like, yeah, season one came and our lives went on, and now we, like, are bombarded on social media. There wasn't such a divide for them, and they, they get it that it's more in season two, but I, I really asked them point blank, like, do you see a difference, like, in your life now? But I, I guess it's hard being trapped in with Corona. Oh, yeah, true. They, like, literally can't be swarmed at a coffee shop. Well, Mary did say, though, that her and Romaine are stopped, like, in L.A. if they go out. She's like, we're stopped now. I can't even imagine what's going on in Romaine's DMs right now. Like, okay, wait. Okay, we have to start from the beginning. So if you you don't watch Selling Sunset, it revolves around a bunch of beautiful, gorgeous model ladies working at the Oppenheim Group, which is a real estate brokerage company serving buyers and sellers in the luxury property market in Los Angeles. So basically the hot version of Mauricio's The Agency. Yeah. They have two owners, Brett and Jason Oppenheim. They are these short little twins, identical twins. And I just call them twin one and twin two. I can't tell them apart. And they don't have any sort of like personality trait that would like get me to care about them. It's all about the ladies. Yeah, it's all about the ladies. I mean, the brothers don't talk. I think I even said to Maya something about Jason. I thought it was Jason. Like Jason, he he owns because I just know real estate. So I know like um, Sierra Towers on Doheny in Los Angeles. That's where Josh Flagg, Josh Flagg and Josh Flagg's grandmother lives also from Million Dollar Listing. So I said something to Maya about like, oh yeah, like Jason, I love Jason's condo and Sierra Towers. And she's like, yeah, that's Brad's. And I'm like, I, I can't tell them. I mean, this happened on my show, like in real time. I was like, well, I, I can't tell them apart. They're like identical. They're really identical. And even, I mean, we'll get deeper into like the Mary and Jason dating at one point situation but every time like Mary was near one of them I'm thinking I'm like is that the one she dated or is that the brother of the one she dated I don't get it it's hard to break down the ladies we have Christine Quinn who is Queen Bee I would say she's the Regina George of the ladies like 6 11 15 pounds and looks like a dominatrix 
She looks like a dominatrix. I mean, always has a red lip on. It's so she's like she has pale skin, blonde hair, always does a red lip. Is she is like I don't even know if you could argue it. She's the breakout star of the show. Well, you know what it is like, and I talked about this with Mary too, is like, you know, these are real people with professions. And we won't go too into it now because we have to introduce everyone. But like Christine is the one person to me that is I could see her saying fuck it to real estate and just becoming a personality. Yeah, I could see that too. She has great sound bites. She's super witty. She's super quick. And she has the qualities that like a Bethany, a Stasi, a Nini, like certain people kind of come on screen and just like immediately take over. And I think all the other cast members, whether it be like any of the women I just talked about or Christine, your castmates know, like they know when you're queen bee and they're like, uh Oh, like, she comes on screen like she's going to be reading someone, telling you off, making someone laugh, or making you cry. She kind of goes back and forth. She's like a big mad dog in a lot of scenes. But then she softens up really, really quickly, and we see it a bunch of times throughout this season one. Yeah. Then we have Mary, who's basically the opposite of Christine. She's in her late 30s. She's, like, so trusting. Another, like, beautiful. She's teeny tiny and blonde and, like, again – zero percent body fat and she's so innocent and engaged to a 25 year old french model slash pastry chef who when she was on my show i talked about this i think season um episode two of season one this fiance 25 is in the kitchen shirtless and the camera starts at the bottom like this show doesn't even pretend to be like what it's not like it's the camera starts at the bottom and pans up past his knees past his boxer shirtless pouring coffee walks into bed the sun is shining gives her coffee they kiss good morning it's just like what is wrong with this scene nothing Nothing is wrong with that scene. He is such a hunk, and we'll get into their relationship a little bit more. Oh, my God. But I, I really like Mary. I think I think she's so sweet. And she actually ended up dating one of the owners, Jason, for, like, six months, and then they had, like, a six-month breakup period. But they still are really close, and all the other ladies say that Jason favors Mary, which is kind of clear as day. And they still share dogs, even though they're not together anymore. Yeah, he he favors, I, I, yeah, he favors her. (laughs) Then we have Maya. She is an Israeli model and also working at the Oppenheim group. She's kind of more into like the development. She doesn't want to be like just selling homes. She is married and her husband is based in Miami. So like a lot of her her arcs are like, I look so good, but I was on a plane all weekend. And so like, there's a lot of like long distance relationship talk. And she has had a few miscarriages in the past and is now actively trying to get pregnant. So we'll get there. So that's kind of Maya's arc. But so what was it like talking with her on your show? She's so she's in Miami. She does real estate in Miami. I mean, Oh, that's good. Yeah, she does. So, I mean, I, I asked her like, I mean, I hate to blow up her game. I don't know if she thinks that nobody listens to the behind the velvet rope podcast with David Yontap, but I was like, okay, I mean, listen, let me just boil this down. You work at Douglas Element in Miami and you work at the Oppenheim group in LA. So like, what do I know? But like, isn't that a conflict of interest? And she's like, yeah. She's like, but you know, I was supposed to work at Element in LA. And I'm like, 
does she think nobody like listens to my podcast? I'm like, well, she's like, so let's just keep it on the down low. I'm like, well, you, we're, we're talking about it here, sweetie. So yeah, the other podcast is not the down low, if you will. Right. So, uh, but she didn't seem so concerned about it. So, I mean, she said her husband's in finance and didn't really care if she did the show, went to the producers and was like, my husband can't be on the show. And you know how that goes. That never goes over so well. They don't like that. But somehow Maya, I, I get the impression that she is okay in Miami. You know what I mean? Like if there's a season, it's so weird. They all keep, they all said, oh, if there's a season four, I'm like, I think there's going to definitely be a season. Four. Like they're very humble. Yeah. Well, I think also nobody knows them. No one really watches the show. And so even right. though they're like, oh my God, you got Maya on your show like right nobody else cares like again like nobody outside like at least when I tried to like explain things to people I'm like oh if it's like a family member of mine who like doesn't know Bravo I'm like it's a real housewife of Orange County they're like oh that's cool it sounds like I would understand the kind of person you're talking to but if I'm like it's a broker from from selling sunset everyone's like who cares like right and like they're doing podcasts I mean like even the housewives are not going on Jay Leno and you know like <laughs> so I think they're thrilled to be chatting with some of us podcasters but it's not like they're being invited you know I don't even know <laughs> then we have Heather who is another blonde Barbie cheerleader you kind of get the idea that she's not really a career gal. She seems to be doing this for the money. At the time of season one, she's in a long-term relationship with a, I think he's an American hockey player living yeah. in Slovakia <laughs> and then moves to Sweden towards the end of season one. And you could just tell she's kind of a girl trying to become a wife. And yeah, which like also, I, I mean, Listen, they're all, they're all zero, negative zero, one in size two. So she too is like a gorgeous Barbie. So I, I think she is probably like, I mean, I, I think Maya is so beautiful because she's just like has those light eyes and- You're like, and, who do you think is the prettiest? I don't know. It's really hard. I think I would think Maya if I saw her in person. Really? But Heather is so beautiful on screen and just has like a perfect face and body and like- she always misses the mark with her clothing, as I think all of the ladies on this show do. I think they, like, really need to get some stylists. And I think they did season two. They all kind of stepped it up a little bit. But I do think it's a, it's a Heather Maya. Really? Uh, so I think Chriselle. Oh, uh, well. Chriselle Maya. That leads us into Chriselle. She is the newbie to the firm. She was selling in the Valley, selling, like, cheap condos. And so this is kind of, like, her first foray into like the luxury market in you know the Beverly Hills area and wherever else they're selling property and she is married to Justin Hartley from This Is Us well I sh I mean let's just like, lead with that I mean. spoiler alert uh no longer married but at the time of the show they were just married about under a year and know and had known each other for like four years but he did not come on the show once I asked about that. Maya said, you know, like, here's the thing. Because they're so new, these gals are not, like, maybe media trained to the extent. But, like, n n n no one said anything bad. But Maya was just like, you know, 
I don't know why Justin Wood, he's on This Is Us. And that's like, she basically said that's like an A-list real show that's on NBC. And I mean, not in so many words. And like, yeah. So, I mean, I'm sure that there was a conversation at home that was like, honey, you do you. First of all, I'm thinking of divorcing you, but I'm not going to tell you that right now. <laughs> you know, this is like Camille Grammer and like Kelsey all over. Yeah, this is your lily pad show. What about you going on this great show? Make some money for yourself. Start selling real estate. But, I mean, Justin was probably like, you understand, like, I'm on, like, an Emmy Award-winning, like, This Is Us, that may not be in its heyday like it was season one, but it's still on NBC and is, like, a critical darling, and, like, I can never be seen on these cameras, ever. Because we, we never see Justin Hartley. We never see him, and she'll talk about him, but won't even really give us much there, so... She's our newbie, and this actually kind of leads us into the beginning of the show. So they begin the show as a, at like a company meeting, and they're all like, we have a new girl starting, and her name is Chriselle. And all the girls are immediately like, what, who is she? What is she? Just like, initially, she walks in, and Christine is just horrible off the bat. <laughs> like, and that was the moment where I was like, oh, she's going to be a monster on this show however that kind of changed as the show went on for me like I looked at her differently than um than I kind of expected up front because she was pretty cruel to Chris also what kind of name is Chriselle like even typing it throughout my outline I'm like what is this well isn't she like a nice southern isn't she from the south in Kentucky well, we have Chriselle, we have Tinsley Mortimer, and that's, Chriselle is like the Tinsley of Selling Sunset, right? Mine is like, literally like their entire background. <laughs> Tinsley was like, yes. definition rich girl, and Chriselle was like, homeless, and that was like a lot of the things she was talking about, like in her more like vulnerable moments, that she grew up really poor, and they didn't have a home, and a lot of times she couldn't shower and she just kept saying like I was the smelly girl like I was the smelly girl and that's why like I'm I really like look for people to validate me and I, I'm a people pleaser because I don't want people to think I'm like gross and smelly I'm like oh when she said that at that lunch I was immediately like I love you I yeah love you. I mean she she I think she is a nice girl I think she's a nice girl and then we all, we see the, the group go on a field trip to this $40 million property, which I guess is like the biggest house in the Hollywood Hills. This place is crazy. They're like 57 car garage, you know, four saunas, a, a pool that is like a full 360 around the property, like a lazy river. <laughs> it's like, and this property stays with us throughout the seasons. Yeah. So it's kind of like the dangling carrot in front of all of their faces Jason and Brett are kind of like our next goal is to sell this the house isn't done so it's like still being built yet they're still trying to sell it immediately which I guess is like what rich people do and you know what I found out what? it sells in season three wow I, they won't no one will tell me who sold it I, mean, I I put my money on I would say like Maya or Mary. Yeah, exactly. That's what I was going to say. Maya or Mary. Because Christine, as much as like she, ha she talks the talk, I ne we never see her close deals. No, and like the thing is, so again, just in talking to Maya and Mary and asking them kind of the same questions, I now get the impression 
just those two. I have two others coming up. I get the impression Mary is the absolute workhorse of the office, which I didn't really, I mean, I, I didn't really think about it when I was watching the show, but now that I spoke to them in real life on my podcast, I think Mary is a worker like of the office more than anyone. I think she's like a slave to her work, uh, like self-imposed. Well, you said like you texted her at like 9 a.m. New York time or you emailed her and she was responding at 5.30 or 6 a.m. back to you. And I told her this on my podcast. I'm like, and she said, I, she basically said, I sleep four hours a night. I just put three things in escrow yesterday. I did this. And then I even asked Maya, like, who's the hardest worker closing those deals? And she said, Mary. So I kind of got, and Mary had no attitude. She was just like, I am just a worker. I mean, we talked about like fame and who's there for the fame. And I think Mary is just like, this is my career. I'm a, like, I'm into real estate. So that's the impression I got. Well, we, so I say her. We see her at a later episode selling a house to Tay Diggs. And I forgot how gorgeous he is. Like, gorgeous. When he showed up on screen, like, I didn't realize it was him at first and was like, skirt. Like, who is this dashing man? He is gorgeous face, gorgeous body, nice, has that New York vibe in LA. He's everything. Everything. He everything. So we also kind of are introduced to Mary's boyfriend, Romaine. They've been together a little shy of a year. So she met him through a client referral, I guess. Romaine's boss was bringing a bunch of pastry chefs from France to some fancy restaurant in California, and Mary was hired to find a place for all of them. And I think immediately after they met, they fell in love and have been together ever since and are living together now. But before Mary and Romaine lived together, Mary and Christine lived together, which was also something I forgot when... Um, I, and I just remembered when I rewatched it this morning. And I was like, oh, interesting. That probably explains why they have such a sisterly relationship and the drama that will ensue with them uh, later in the season and later in this episode will kind of make more sense because they've seen like all of the ups and downs. And like when you have a roommate who's a girlfriend, like she sees you cry about guys and vice versa. Yeah. So. Yes and yes. Yeah, Romaine is definitely a little bit young and like we don't really get the impression that up front he like wants to get married and have kids, which are two things that Mary really wants. So it's kind of like there's a little bit of tension between them somewhat immediately. So then we kind of are in season episode two and we get a little bit more information about Heather. So she's dating a guy from the US that she met at a bar in California, and then he is a pro hockey player. His name is Nick. He's seven years younger than her, too. And he's currently in Slovakia. And so she does, like, weekend trips to Slovakia. And then eventually by the end of the, the, end of the season, he moves to Sweden. And it's still like, are we going to do long distance? And they've been together for, like, two and a half years. So that's long enough. But after a certain point, I feel like someone has to just budge and, like, go to the other person. Well, and it's affecting her career because she took a call from him in the middle of a staging appointment and didn't listen to the stager. And then it was staged completely wrong. It was like browns and she wants it all whites. And, and Jason, one of the twin bosses, got very upset and had to warn her about, you know, don't take a call from your hockey player boyfriend in Slovakia during a staging appointment because you got to sell his house so I can eat. Yeah. <laughs> and not in so many words. 
Well, totally. And I think that was like one of the things where she was like, no, I really want to move and I would love to move to be with him. However, like I'm not going to be able to sell a $20 million property in Slovakia. Like there's a big difference between like the career choices I can have here. And so that's one of the reasons why Heather was really trying to sell this $40 million property. And she actually ended up having a friend of hers who she met, who I thought she should have dated. I can't remember what his name is. He was like the guy with the fake tan. But I got like- I thought he was cute. I did too. Oh, I think like they had really cute chemistry and and he like works as an architectural, at an architectural firm or something and knows a Chinese billionaire who potentially would be interested in the property. So they kind of like tore it together. And in my head, I'm like, I really want her to win it. The commission I think was like $1.2 million. And she's like, I don't think I'd ever have to work again. <laughs> well, in New York City, you would. So I don't know where she lives. She lives in LA. Well, you do there too. Well, speaking of that, the other guy, the one that was almost going to buy the $40 million house, I mean, Christine has done very well for herself. But at this point, I mean, she should have dated him. Yeah. So Christine had this guy named Jacob from her high school who was interested in buying the $40 million property, which like if a man is in the market for a $40 million property and like keeps sending you flowers to the office, you gotta give it a shot. Like you gotta just do it. And she was like, well, he was always the geek and really smart in high school. Well, he turned out to be a cute geek. He's a really cute. cute. He's a really cute geek. And so we- With with enough money to buy a $40 million house. A casual $40 million home. Like that is just so outside of anything I could ever imagine. I'm like- Oh, it's ridiculous. For many of us, the holidays will look different this year. Family and friend reunions might not be the same, but that shouldn't stop us from feeling close. That's why I'm gifting my loved ones the most meaningful gift this year, a chance to tell their story and share memories using StoryWorth. StoryWorth is an online service that helps your loved ones share stories through thought-provoking questions about their memories and personal thoughts. It's a fun new way to engage with family, especially those you can't see in person this year. Around this time last year, I lost my grandfather, and I felt this insane guilt that I didn't ask him enough questions about his love story with my grandma, his career, his immigration journey from Italy in the 1960s, and so much more. To honor his birthday this past year, I gifted my grandma a StoryWorth membership. Every week, StoryWorth emails her a different prompt with questions you'd never think to ask, like, if you were to do it over, what would you have done differently? Or when was your first kiss? You can customize your prompts to ask anything you'd like, so I obviously had to ask, who's your favorite grandkid? Just kidding. After one year, StoryWorth will compile all your stories, including photos, into a beautiful keepsake book that ships for free. I'm planning to order one for myself, my brothers, and my cousins so we can share our grandparents' story with our children someday. Give your loved ones the gift of spending time together wherever you live with StoryWorth. Get started right away with no shipping required by going to storyworth.com slash bravohh. You'll get $10 off your first purchase. That's storyworth.com slash bravohh for $10 off. If you are anything like me, you haven't bought a single gift for anybody this year, maybe other than yourself. <laughs> this will be an amazing gift for anybody who is looking for that last minute gift that doesn't involve shipping costs and will be something that you can pass down to your families for generations. That's storyworth.com slash bravohh for $10 off off you guys and you get a deal look at that so yeah we kind of get like a little bit of glimpse that christine is dating and that she's single but one thing i found interesting about the show was how little they really talk about the women like i feel like we always know more about the men that they're dating than like the actual women on the show like i don't know anything about christine outside of her being a dominatrix and really liking to wear like spandex dresses like that's really all we know Maybe, well, maybe season four, now that it's a hit, they'll 
add some more to it. I mean, I kind of hope so. We- I never really thought of that. But I mean, I guess that's true. Like, I don't well, really know about much of them. We get a little bit about Mary that she was married twice. Her first husband died. And her second husband, they just got a divorce. And Mary had a child when she was 16, who is now 21 years old. So he doesn't live with her. I think he's on the East Coast. I was under the impression of. But even that, like, she threw that in. She's like, yeah, my husband died. And the other one divorced me. And I'm a mom. And I was a mom when I was 16. But all's good here. It's like, what? Like, those are, like, very big things. And might kind of explain why she's potentially, like, in a stage of arrested development with a guy like Romaine. When you have a kid at 16, you're forced to grow up, and then your idea of adulthood is, like, that of a 16-year-old, because you have, like, the responsibility of a kid and putting food on a table, so it probably explains why she's a hustler, but also why she is, like, putting all of her eggs in this basket of Romaine, which, like, would... Who's her son's age, more yeah. or less. So we get to some random party. These people have so many parties or dinners and things where all of them are together, which I also think is always a great sign for a good show. Like I've been re-watching The Real Housewives of Atlanta for season one. And really? I'm saying like the first like six episodes, there weren't any group hangs. And then like once they all started hanging out together, the the drama ensued and shit started popping off. But on this show, it's like every 15 minutes, they're like, another dinner party, outdoor dinner party, we're going to Jason's mansion. Yes. We have Chriselle talking with Davina, who I forgot to mention up top when I was doing intros, which is so telling and so sad for Davina. It's so funny. I have a note to myself of like, should we want to mention Davina? (laughs) Like, (laughs) when you didn't mention her, I didn't want to interrupt you. I was like, maybe Megan, listen, it's your show. When, when you come on behind the velvet rope, I'll, I was like, maybe Megan has some ulterior motive here. And I was like, <laughs> why isn't she mentioning Davina? I don't know why. And the fact is, like, I have her on my list of notes. Like, her name is right underneath Chriselle. And I wrote the black sheep, LOL. But she kind of is. She's like a normal brunette. So that's also like a huge strike. Don't be a brunette at the office. In this office, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's mostly blondes. So she is having a conversation with Chriselle and they're kind of talking about Romaine and Mary. I guess Davina kind of tees it up for Chriselle to ask a question about Romaine and money. And then Davina goes and tells Maya, like, I can't believe Chriselle was talking shit. And then we see Maya tell <laughs> Mary, who is like, obviously upset. Like, don't talk about my man. Don't tell me that he's not providing. Granted, like, He's not. And we've seen like a couple different times of them meeting lunch. And he's like, ooh, I forgot my wallet. Oh my God. Yeah. Like, oh my goodness. You keep forgetting your wallet, don't you? <laughs> but I mean, he forgot the wallet more than once. Forgot the wallet. And so then we kind of, that like simmers. That's kind of going around the group and everybody's kind of talking about how he might take advantage of her and whatever. So then Mary and Romaine, we kind of cut to like them eating lunch. It's the one that he doesn't pay. And they're talking about their future and what they want and how she wants to buy a home and all he cares about is a house with a hot tub, which like, are you 15 years old? Like all that's all you care about is a hot tub. Seriously. (laughs) This is like, don't care about school systems, nothing, just 
a hot tub. A hot tub. So we see them hanging out, eating their little lunch, and I guess he basically says, I'm not ready to have kids for another 10 years, which would put her at 48 and him at 35. And so obviously she's upset about that and goes into the office the next day, is crying to all the ladies saying, like, I don't even know what I want to do. Like, this is the reality of the situation. It seems like Mary wants to have more kids. It's not like she's dying for it where she's like, I need to have a kid. I need to have a kid. But I think she's kind of like clock is ticking. And if I'm going to do it, I should kind of do it within the next few years and with a man that I'm serious with. And obviously all the girls are like, oh, my God, don't cry. Like, don't be sad. Like, he loves you. And I mean, it's, it's just like, I don't know. It's just like, right. Like, what did you expect from this? Like, you got to choose, you know someone a little bit older or stay with this hot piece of ass <laughs> and just understand that at 25, he probably doesn't want children. Yeah, it's really not surprising. And then we get a quick cut to the beginning of season, the beginning of episode three where Romaine pro- proposes to marry in bed. And another huge drama of all of this was that he bought her a moissanite ring, not a diamond ring, and said, when he can afford a diamond, he will buy her a proper diamond. And so that obviously makes all the girls in the office, like, giddy with, like, new fodder for them to talk shit about with him. Which comes back at a later date, everybody. Most definitely. So Davina is, like, the main one who's kind of, like, picking on this whole situation and, you know, kind of calls her out and... Heather calls Davina out being like, how rude are you? Like, if they're going to get married, he gave her a ring. It's a sign. Like, of course, it's supposed to supposed to be a diamond in our society. But a ring is a ring nonetheless. And if she's happy, then we should be happy. This will definitely come and bite everybody in the ass very, very hard. Yes. Make so- note of this, everybody. <laughs> we're, we're, this comes back. So at this point... Twin one or twin two ends up inviting the group over for a lunch. Uh, they're all kind of hanging out in, I think it's Brett's house. I think I'm, I think this is Brett's home, but they're all having a lunch. Oh, actually, no, this is Jason's home. God damn it. So this is where Chriselle finds out that Jason and Mary had dated in the past. And Romaine is at this lunch as well. And everybody is talking about Mary and Jason's past relationship. It comes out that they bought a dog when they were together. And then after they broke up and they were still dog co-parenting, it was going so well that they decided to adopt a second dog together after they broke up. So (laughs) they're talking about the dogs who are always like running around the office. And Chriselle is basically just saying in her testimonials, I can't even imagine being near my ex-boyfriend, let alone like in his house, on, on his staff. And then like my current boyfriend is like hanging out here too and clearly like doesn't have an issue and doesn't have a problem. Kind of. It's, uh, it's just, it's, I talked to Mary about this. I mean, they're just, it's, It's strange. It's not strange. I mean, it's great. Like, she's just really BFFs with Jason, her ex, who's also her boss. And they share dogs. Even though they're not dating and having, you know, they only, I asked her, I said it when she was on, how long did you date him for? Like, a year. That's it. 
So I guess that I don't know. Listen, you know what? I mean, we have a couple of problems. Though. I mean, first of all, Jason is never going to settle down with anybody. So it's like, it's not even like get remain on, but maybe this really is his true love. And like, this would help him. You know, they really are the perfect copy couple. Well, Mary that's and Jason. Perfect. That is what I think about all of this. Both of the twins haven't been in a serious relationship in a while. They're both stone cold single and Jason, like you can clearly tell, still is in love with Mary. And it's unfortunate that they weren't able to make it work. And I wonder what other issues were really behind the scenes because in my heart, he's going to be Captain Savaho, and when Romaine breaks her heart, he'll come in and be like, this is the home of your dreams that I'm going to get for us, and these are all the things you deserve and what you should have had, but you were too digmatized by a hot French model, which I, I can't even say we've all been there because I've never been there, but I could imagine being in that situation. <laughs> yeah, I don't know, but like, I mean, I've been in that situation, but I don't know, like, I... I get really like bored of it than when it can't translate to real life. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like as digmatized as I am, then after like two weeks, it's I'm like, just like, but I can't even talk. Like, I'm so tired of this. I mean, you know, then I'll have another week or two of being digmatized and then I'll just be like, let's just call this what it is. And just sex, don't even. Yeah, talk. and either go down road A or just like, I'm bored now. I guess that other people don't get there and marry just, I don't know. Well, I think that's like one of the things that I like about her. She has this like innocence and like belief in love. And the fact that she's really thinking that Romaine is the perfect man for her is, is frightening in a way and alarming where I'm like, you are this like beautiful, successful businesswoman. What are you doing with this? child who like is saying like I haven't lived enough life and yeah sometimes I'm sad I don't get to do certain things because I'm with you like that's kind of hard and I couldn't imagine being like on the receiving end of someone being like right. yeah, stopped my life for you and yeah like, yeah and I mean I'm not gonna say anything but on my show she also I'm like I need details about how I mean we know how they met but we have real details. Oh, she gives me details, and I'm just like, oh. Right, <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, like, I honestly had no shame in my game when I had her on my show when it came to Romaine. I'm like, I just, there's no professionalism that's now going to happen, and here are all my questions. <laughs> and then at one point, she looked away at something, and I'm like, is there a shirtless Romaine standing right next to you? And there wasn't. Megan's mouth is dropped oh open. My God. But like, I literally was like, I mean, if so, like you have to pan this like Zoom. Oh, could you? And she was like, no, no, it's there? yeah. I was like, what's going on there? And she's like, no, 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 it's just the TV. But like, you know, like when you look off at someone in Zoom, I'm like, is is he standing right next to you? Like, oh, yeah. She talks about him. Yeah. So I lost <laughs> all professionalism. <sighs> So we move into a scene where Maya runs into the office and Chriselle's the only one there and Maya is thinking she's pregnant and brings a pregnancy test and the two of them like see the pregnancy test together and it's positive. Yay, Maya's so happy. And again, they have like a whole conversation about how Maya had these miscarriages for the last year or so and so she's been really nervous and she kind of asked 
Chriselle uh, to swear that she wouldn't say anything to anybody about this um, because it's so early and just to, to lay low. So again, that will come back. Don't forget that moment. That comes back. Do not forget that moment. <laughs> we then get Chriselle, Maya, and Davina, and Christine going out to dinner. It was quick where the moment came back. So... They're all sitting at this bar. They all sit down, order whatever they want. Chriselle always orders a Sauve Blanc, which like just annoys me. I'm like, just say Sauvignon Blanc. We don't, mm. which is, I don't know why it frustrates me. She always does it. Personally, I have no interest in white wine at oh. all. I, I understand like a rosé for the day. I, that's a great day drink. But at night, just give me my damn vodka. Yes. That's just me. But I just don't understand white wine. I just don't get it. It's so, like, it could be so syrupy if it's, like, not good. And that hangover is just so debilitating. That sugar hangover is just... Yeah, awful. it's weird. Mary shows up late to this dinner, by the way. But before they get there, Chriselle, Maya, Davina, and Christine order their drinks. Christine orders a round of shots for all of them, which she always does. I, I, I don't hang out with people who order shots at restaurants, but she's always ordering a shot. I'm like, aren't you just drinking your other drink? But yeah, I, I don't, I, a lot of people on reality TV, but this group does shots. I mean, like if you're the Vanta kids, I get it. You do yeah. shots, but these are like professional women. And it's not like a, even if they were men, I would have a problem with it. Like, <laughs> I don't understand shots. Like, that was college. And we'll see another seed where Christine is, like, with a potential client, and she's, like, getting this girl so messed up on shots. I'm like, I yeah. don't think this is, like, a business tactic that you should really be taking, but okay. It's weird. So they order shots, and as they're saying cheers, Chriselle screams, cheers to the baby! which lets everybody know that Maya's pregnant. And Maya has a look on her face. Like, I feel like she was brought back to like the Israeli army when she was like 17 years old. And she was like, you little bitch, I can't believe you have one sip of alcohol. And now you're telling the whole group that I'm newly pregnant. And yeah. because that group is such a tight knit group. All the other girls were like, why the hell does Chriselle know? And we don't. So yeah. I was yes and yes. I was not into that. Uh, that made me really annoyed at Chriselle. And also, she wasn't even, like, remorseful after it happened. If, like, that happened and it was a genuine thing, you'd be like, oh, my God, Maya. Like, I am so sorry. I, I don't even know where that came from. It was just, it was a slip. But she was just, like, giggling like a little schoolgirl and acting as if, like, oh my god, I can't believe I said that. It's like, well, yeah, that's a really serious yeah. thing. She should be able to say herself when she's comfortable. But I guess teaching... She didn't seem to mind, Chriselle. She did not mind. No. So then Mary comes late to this dinner, and this is when we have Davina throwing Chriselle under the bus about the things she said about Romaine. So at this point, everybody is like, Chriselle, how dare you say that he is a user, using me for my money, and Chriselle gets ripped a new one by the whole squad, which again will happen again. Like in two she's months. just like the punching bag of season one, basically. Which like sometimes she deserved it, but for this situation, she didn't. So then we kind of get this fun arc that creates definitely a lot of the tension that kind of comes through mid season. 
Chriselle and Christine, I guess, both knew this person from the WAG dog walking company. And she said she wanted to meet with both of them to see which broker she would want to work with. So you can already tell, like, Christine has, like, fire in her eyes at the thought of having to compete with Chriselle. Yeah, right there. I was like, this. I think this is, like, the best storyline of the whole one of the seasons. You're just like, and they also tell her at lunch. Because let's just also mention that the executive producer of this is Adam DeVillo, who did The Hills in Laguna oh, Beach. Yeah this show feels like the hills in Laguna Beach, like the cinematography. Mm-hmm. And the other thing, which again, I didn't realize per se, I mean, I watched the show until I spoke to the women on my show, my podcast. We really have less transactions in this than million dollar listing. Like this really is more, it, you have the real estate porn, but it's less about closing the deal and more about the drama. And it really feels like the hills. This feels like the hills in Laguna Beach. It feels like that, the music, the Mm -hmm. scenes. But it's also funny that they tell this woman from the dog walking app that she looks like Elsie, which she does look like Elsie from the hills. That girl was so droll and deadpan. You couldn't get a crack of smile out of her. She was completely no nonsense. So they both kind of go after her. They have this lunch and she's basically like, I'm choosing one of you. So impress me in the next week. And then I'll let you know who gets the listing. And then Chriselle takes her on a walk throughout a nice neighborhood and they bring their dogs. And I guess they have like a casual, nice conversation. Whereas Christine is ripping shots at a bar with her and they're both getting fucked up. And Christine is telling, promising her, like, I'll take you to parties. Like, when you get work with us, like, you get invited to the best Hollywood parties. And this girl, like, is clearly just, like, completely unimpressed. Did you know that Christelle was going to win? Totally. Me too. Once, like, once I saw how they teed up Christine being so competitive, I was like, this is textbook reality television. Christelle is getting the listing. And then we kind of, we could just do like a quick fast forward. Christelle gets the listing. Christine's obviously butthurt about it, understandably so. And then I can't remember like the price range, but the girl was like, I want to spend four nine. And Christelle takes her to this property. The first one is this beautiful home and it's like 6.3 million. And the girl's like, this is a beautiful home, but one, it's not dog friendly, which like, duh, I have a ton of dogs. And two, this is a million and a half dollars more than what I asked for. And she only wanted, like, right off sunset. She didn't want to be up in the hill. She wants to, like, walk to work. And Chriselle took her, like, outside. And mind you, you do not waste this woman's time. She was like, I took time off work. You have failed. Like, only show me properties that are actually what I want. So luckily for Chriselle, she obviously was like walking between her tail, between her legs. And she like went back in the office. And you know, Christine is just like, Mwah. Yeah, she was happy. She was very happy. Maya actually had a property that could kind of be perfect for this girl. And she ends up, I think, getting it, which good for her. And I guess it became a joint deal between Maya and Chriselle to get this girl a home. But that house that they ended up getting kind of was hideous like the pool was really nice but to look out on the highway and see all those billboards it just was like not the home that I would want if I was going to be spending like three million dollars on it I could see that but I think the location is why I think it was right there like you could walk out onto sunset 
Yeah, they said she could walk to her, like she could see her office from. Go to the Beverly Hills Hotel for brunch. Walk home. I want to go to Chateau Marmont. I've never been. We we sh- we're gonna have to. I think I'm just. We we need to like relocate to LA for like six oh, months. At least for like the winter. Which like is New York winter even a thing? Even though this year like didn't get lower than like forty five. I can't believe I'm here for the summer. Like, don't even get me started. <laughs> like, I don't know how this is working. So it's not working well. It's, yeah, no, I'm I'm truly sweating my ass off in this apartment, wishing I could turn the AC on during this episode. <laughs> so we move to the photo shoot of all the girls. It wouldn't be a hot girl show if there wasn't an obligatory photo shoot where the photographer is asking them to act gangster lots of power posing, no smiling. And this photo ends up like getting put on a billboard and like everybody starts like crying and like, well, they're so proud that they're on a billboard, which is hilarious. Um, and that's kind of all of episode six was kind of a dud episode. And then we kind of move towards the end of the season. We get a lot more of Romaine and Mary drama where they're basically saying, wedding planning is for girls and so he has no interest in doing it every time she kind of tries to bring up a wedding idea he's basically like i just could care less like i just really don't care doesn't have to be a destination i just want it to be cheap uh and i think that's kind of getting to mary however it definitely does not stop her and no. then we have the end of the season party, which ends up being kind of like a gender reveal party for Maya's baby. And it's a baby boy who we'll see in season two. And it's just like the sweetest little boy. And like, I just love baby so much. It makes me so happy. And so at this end of the season party, at this point we have Mary and Chriselle, not, we have Mary and Christine kind of going head to head based on Christine implying that they've moved too fast and they shouldn't be getting married and she knows Mary more than Mary knows herself and she shouldn't be doing this. So at the end of the party, there's a moment where everybody's kind of like hanging out in the backyard area and Christine starts going after Chriselle saying, you know, let's bring up what you said about Romaine to Davina and do you have amnesia? Like, do you have dementia? I don't understand why you can't remember. One sec, one second you said you did say it. One second you said you forgot because you were drinking. What is it? Figure it out. So obviously, Chriselle starts to cry. And at this point, what Christine thinks she's doing to be a good friend to Mary actually backfires because Mary is then like comforting Chriselle, who is being yelled at and screamed at at a party, like, and it has nobody else on her side. So the show kind of ends with that backfiring. And it's kind of like left on a cliffhanger. We're kind of just stuck being like, okay, so what's going on? Are Mary and Romaine actually going to get married? What's going on with Mary and Christine? Are they actually going to be friends? Is Chriselle and Christine ever going to be able to rekindle their friendship? And they kind of leave you on a nice little cliffhanger. And that's kind of where we enter season two. David, this was really fun. I love talking about this show. I mean, I hope that I've turned you on to something good. And we are going to continue talking about season two on my show. Yes. So if you guys enjoyed this part one, part two for season two will be on David's Behind the Velvet Rope podcast. Date TBD for you. You've got a TBD schedule. No, no, no. We're going to put it out. We're going to put it out around this. You and I are going to work in unison and it's going to be part one, 
Bravo Happy Hour, part two, go to Behind the Velvet Rope. And the thing about part two, season two, is it really is a different season. So I have a lot, right? Completely. So you'll be on my show and we'll, that's where you guys are going to hear about season two and what we think. And I mean, really, I can't stress enough if you are listening to Bravo Happy Hour and you're a reality TV fan, like, I don't know anyone. The reviews on this show are horrible. They're like, it's the most vapid show you've ever, it's, they're horrible. But there is literally not one person I know that has watched this show that (laughs) does not love it. So really go and watch it and then come to my podcast and listen to part two because we are going to recap the entire second season. It is different. It really, and we even have a new cast member coming in season two. All right. Another brunette. (laughs) All right, David, where can people find you and follow you on all social media? You can, the best two places are you can follow me on Instagram at behind velvet rope, behind velvet rope on Instagram, or you can go to Apple behind the velvet rope and follow my podcast, subscribe, listen to an episode. If you don't like it, you can unsubscribe. You can never, you know, listen to me again, but most people that find us love us. So behind the velvet rope on Apple podcasts, it's a Bravo podcast and I interview all sorts of Bravo celebrities past and present and for past we go way back people you got the og of the oc (sighs) miss gumbleson she'll always hold a special place in my heart same i love her horrible corrupt heart sometimes loves her (laughs) and we had tamra judge and that went really viral so like we've got we've got a lot of people that say all sorts of things and then everyone gets mad at me when they're in the press and it's like listen I i didn't make you say all this i just asked you these very intrusive, evasive questions, but you didn't have to answer. It's not my fault. It was basically just an hour-long interrogation. <laughs> it just happened to um, fall at my feet. Uh, well, it's like I say to you, Megan, like, I have a short leash, and 365 days from now, I truly think nobody on Bravo is going to ever speak to me again. Because, and listen, I've had some repeats on my podcast, but I think a lot of people come on and they blow themselves up and they're in the media and the news. And I'm just like, I'm burning bridges left and right. But listen, I, I have a duty to the people. You got to do it for the fans. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> listen, people want to know. All right. Great. Thanks for coming on again. And tune in to part two on Behind the Velvet Rope podcast. Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye. Tis the season to be catching up on your favorite CW shows. See why everyone's being charmed by Stargirl. She's the new generation of justice. Join TV's most brilliant detective, Nancy Drew, as she and her fearless friends get to the bottom of their town's twisted mysteries and soar into the darkness of Gotham City with Batwoman. She's the kind of hero the world needs right now. Catch up for free on the CW app before brand new seasons of Nancy Drew and Batwoman begin January 2021, only on The CW.